Hello, beautiful human. Thank you so much for letting us into your ears today. We are about to talk with Joshua Bassett, and he has a lot to say. I am so, so, so excited for this conversation. He is truly one of my favorite artists, and after this talk, one of my favorite people, and I really think you're going to enjoy it. Please share our podcast with those you care about, hit subscribe, and let us know who we should talk to next at Zach Sang Show on any form of social media. And today's conversation with Joshua is coming at you courtesy of Native. I love Native. I'm also obsessed with their current fleet of scents, their holiday scents. They got sugar cookie, mistletoe, candy cane. I mean, Native really does care about the products that you put on your body. They are about stopping the stink the right way. That is the Native difference. You probably already know about my love for Native's legendary aluminum-free deodorant, but have you tried their toothpaste or their body wash? They are really, really amazing because Native's mission is to overhaul your entire hygiene routine by creating products that are made with simple ingredients like shea butter and coconut oil so you can smell great all day long. Plus, they have classic and rotating seasonal scents, so Native has a scent that is right for everybody, I promise. My favorite right now is sugar cookie, candy cane, and fresh mistletoe, all available for a limited time. And you could build a whole bundle with Native too. It's pretty cool. Try them out. And right now you can get 20% off your first order. All you got to do is use my name when you're checking out. That is Zach. Or go to nativedeo.com slash Zach. And I'm telling you, you'll not only enjoy Native, but you'll get 20% off your first order. So stay merry, happy, and fresh this holiday season. And I promise you'll love Native. nativedeo.com slash Zach. Go there for 20% off your first order. Ho, ho, ho. Here's Joshua Bassett. Hi, beautiful human. I'm Zach, and welcome, Joshua Bassett. Hey, hey, hey. We're here, baby. Yeah, we are here, and we have a lot of life to discuss and a lot of music to dissect. And yes, uh, I've been thinking about like where to start because I've been wanting to get you on the show for a long time. Right. I, I met you years ago. Do you remember this? Yes. No, I was just gonna say, yeah, way before. I, not. It was like a couple weeks before I booked High School Musical. It was literally. It was like we met at the Troubadour. Yes. And we were talking, and I was a fan of yours because you know I watched the show, and and. I, you were like, what do you got going on? I was like, well, I'm going up for this thing. I don't know. It's a little weird. It's this High School Musical spinoff. And I was like, I know it sounds stupid, but the script's actually really good. And I was actually embarrassed about it, funnily enough. Um, and then, you know, I got the show and, and so much life has happened. And, uh, and here like we are. The most life has happened. And then, you know, I remember also seeing you. I've seen you twice ever. It was at the Troubadour and then it was at a Just Jared Halloween party. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> and nobody gave, I felt like Caddy from Mean Girls showing up to the Halloween party where everybody's dressed really sexy. Mm. I came to the party dressed as a pineapple, right, right. feeling <laughs> incredibly uncomfortable. Yes. And who oh, was there God. to really uh, kind of calm my, my nerves and concerns but Joshua Bassett. Oh my gosh. No, I'm a big fan of that costume. That was so good. It was a, a mess. A shit show. But by the way, like after that, I really start getting into your, your music and I think it was like maybe a couple months later you released Common Sense. Uh-huh. Is that yes. correct? Is my timeline like almost there? Uh, I think so, yeah. Because that was right before High School Musical came out and I, I tried to release the song right around the time High School Musical was coming mm. out. Or no, it was Beginning of the pandemic. So, yeah, it was like four or five months after that. But yeah. I remember the Halloween party. But, like, I, did you, maybe you sent me comments? How long have you had that song before you released oh, it? Oh, it was on my Instagram for a while. That's probably where you heard it. Yeah. yeah I was my, listening yeah. to it over and over <laughs> again on your Instagram on repeat. <laughs> wow. It Thanks. was, it's so good. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Do, do you remember the first song you ever wrote? I think the first, like, 
Well, technically, the first song I wrote was to ask a girl to formal. Um, That's and adorable. It worked. Um, basically, three guys had asked her, and she turned all of them down. And I was like, okay, if I'm gonna ask this girl, like, I gotta go big. I'm like, <laughs> I gotta give it all I got. So I was like, I grabbed my ukulele, and I just—that was the only instrument I knew at the time. So I just, you know, figured out a quick little song, and then. The next day, me and my friend went to her house with, like, I think we had flowers or something in the ukulele or balloons. I sang, and then she said yes, and then we went. So that was, like, and I've talked about this before, but, and I actually sang that song in my audition for High School Musical because originally in the script, my character writes a song for um, Nini. And so I was, like, it was just the perfect, like, real-world um, reflection of, like, what it actually, sorry, uh, the perfect reflection you know what I'm trying to say, right? Yeah, dude, that's art imitating life right <laughs> there, there at its right finest. On. You had been there, you had done that. Yeah, for sure. So that was the the first sort of thing where I was like, okay, I remember driving home after asking her and being like, if I was able to write a stupid song like that, not stupid, but you know, I was like, if a silly song like that, what, what if I actually tried to write a real song that meant something? And so I, I sort of, I started writing then. And I think the first song I wrote was like super emo, like super, super sad. I was very depressed, which is, okay, here's a funny story about that. The first song that I, I really wrote, I showed it to a friend and she literally said, maybe stick to acting. And I was like, oh, okay. Two weeks later, I'm hanging out with my friend and I'm telling him about how I'm going up to audition for these different things and whatnot in LA. It was right when I had started. And, and he literally was like, yeah, okay, good luck. Maybe stick to the singing. And I was like, what? The? So both sides said stick to the other and here I am doing both. Okay. So in that moment, you want from your friend honesty. So do you take it as such when somebody says like, maybe you should stick to not music? I mean, do you think it's honest when they're giving it to you? I don't know. It's that's tough. I think that girl in particular was very insecure and I could kind of sense that. And it seemed like she was projecting a little bit of that. And to me, I didn't just it wasn't discouraging. It was more so like, OK, I got to keep working hard it, instead of being like, forget it, because I knew that there was something there. And, and I personally love the song. And so I was like, I don't know. I think it depends on who, who it's coming from. But yeah, well, who it's coming from and who it's going to, because somebody else could have heeded the warning of their friend and took it as you know, scripture, and 100%. ended up quitting music the next day. Yeah. I honestly think it helped because I kind of kept my head down after that and sort of was just writing on my own. And I think because I wasn't looking for approval or I wasn't like showing it to people, I was just continuing to get better and better and better. And then it's funny. It's so the, it's funny you mentioned common sense because one of the first people I showed that song to, I showed it to my friend and his dad. And his dad literally said to me, that's cute. It's not a real song. It's not like a song. It's cute, but it's not a song. And I was like, what the hell does that even mean? So anyway, it's it's funny how people will, with whether they're insecure or whatever it is, like, yeah. But I it's think, also yeah. art, right, to a certain degree. And I think, like, depending on who you, get, you, you go to for reaction, you're going to get something different from totally. them. Yeah. But my hope, one, we'll get back to you getting better because being able to take that feedback and turn it into fuel to improve, mm. that is, I mean, if anybody out there is hanging out with us that, like, you know, feels like like got cr criticism or negative feedback from someone that they trusted on something that they're passionate about. I mean, it's nothing more than feedback. Like, mm. take that as fuel to keep going because consistency is the hardest thing to do, but it's also what separates those who make it from those who don't mm. is just trying and keep going. 100%. Art is different for everybody, right? Perception of art is going to be different. Mm -hmm. So some old guy could really hear it as like, it's not a full song. Right. But also at the same time, like, 
I hear it and I go, I understand this. I feel mm-hmm. like I defy common sense all the time totally, because yeah. my gut tells me to. Right, right. Whether it's for better or for worse, I defy common sense. Yeah, totally. So I felt understood by the song and I kept listening to it and listening to it and listening to it. So at what point do you know that you're good? Or at what point do you choose to show it to anybody after that? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't even know. I, I don't know. I mean, I think I love the saying, which actually is, it ties into everything. And I heard this recently and it really changed my perspective, especially when in regards to like um, my public perception or whatever. Somebody, a pretty famous celebrity who I won't say, who's been through like some bad PR stuff, had somebody say to him, don't let them tell you who you are. And I was like, Oh my God, that's huge. Just hearing the don't let them tell you who you are. I don't really know the answer to where to find the line on terms of like knowing if you're good or not. But I think at the end of the day, if you're making something you're proud of and you genuinely love it and it brings joy to you, that's all that you really need to do. And if other people like that, in addition to that, that's wonderful. Like every, that's everyone's dream. But I think ultimately... Where you get stuck is when you don't even like what you like and then someone else doesn't like it, that you're, you're over. Because it's like, you know, that's a double whammy. You can't even stand behind it. But if you can stand behind it at the end of the day, then it, it shouldn't matter really what anyone else really thinks of it. Has there been a piece of art or something you've done that you couldn't stand behind? No, there's been plenty that um, my label has tried to make me put out for sure. Yeah, no, there's... There's definitely things where people are pushing me in a direction. They're saying, we think you should do this uh, song or this show or this X, Y, Z. And it just didn't sit right with my soul. And I was like, I can't, I can't stand behind that. And I think uh, you hear a lot of times different artists saying, you know, when I was early on in my career, my label forced me to put out this song and it was either a flop or I hated it or everyone hated it or whatever. And I couldn't even argue because I didn't like it either. And so I think that's where it's really sad. But I, I don't think that there's anything I've, necessarily put out that I can't stand behind. There's plenty that I'm like, I wish I could have done that better. But, you know, in general, I feel like I stand behind everything I've put out. By the way, that's going to happen no matter what. For sure. For sure. By the way, I have to comment on your nails. Oh. <laughs> Phenomenal. Oh, thanks. What, what's going on over there? It's a little far for me. Uh, you know, I have uh, I have Santa Claus. I have Macaulay Culkin, nice. a.k.a. Kevin McAllister era Macaulay. Wow. Screaming on my middle finger. Christmas tree. I got snowman smileys. I got Rudolph. All decked out. Yeah, I'm. I'm. It's a little much. I have a fireplace with freaking stockings. Oh my! Who did? Did you get those done or did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do, oh you think I did them no, myself? No, I mean I don't know. Oh my God, imagine. I mean, you can tap dance. What else can you do? <laughs> I don't right. know. A lot of people don't know that I can tap dance. That's like one of my best uh, kept secrets. But I, it's a good one to have under your belt, right? For sure. To just be like, oh, by the way, and then do that. I can tap. Yeah, minus ice skating. That's my. Nobody oh. knows that I can ice skate. And then, like, I always tell friends when I'm going, I'm like, ah, I'm not really good. And I, like, I can go backwards. Oh, I can spin. I can jump. You. I can dance. Yeah. Of course you can. <laughs> Do you pick that up because you're, it was something that you picked up as a kid? Do you pick it up for a job? Why? 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 Ice skating? Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, my, I have five sisters. We used to go pretty frequently with friends. And oh, cool. it, I was homeschooled. And so there was no real physical activity that I did. But ice skating was like the one thing that I did that I would consider physical activity. In Oceanside, California. Yes. You were ice skating. Mm -hmm. You're very close to the beach. Yes. It's literally called Oceanside. Yeah. (laughs) So you ice skate? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I know. There's like lots of facilities that they have that, you know, indoor ice skating. I didn't go outdoor ice skating until I moved to New York, actually. That was the first. Where'd you go? Like Central Park, Bryant Park? Um, not Central Park, but the... Uh, is it Bryant Park? No. Maybe. No. Uh, I know what it is. I've 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 gone and hurt myself there. Yikes. Do you rent skates or do you own skates? I don't own skates. I'm not that cool. Wow. 
Yeah, no, but I always I own tap shoes. I'm just oh, saying. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think I got tap shoes once, but I got them a little too small, and then I just never got the you, set. You know what? It, it, you got to get the tap shoes in the right fit, and you got to break them in right. For sure. I, that's huge. I yes. Mean, that's everything. But anyway, I, whatever. <laughs> you distracted me with the nails, but I wanted to go into your, your music. I don't even know where to begin. The music you're creating now is obviously different than what was. But I do want to get to what has been, lie, 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 common sense we got to. I also love LA, mm. never. Like, mm. But songs that you haven't really put out, really, they just live on your Instagram, correct? Yeah. Like, LA doesn't exist anywhere but Instagram? But YouTube and Instagram, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why do you stop there? Well, it's not that I've stopped there. It's just, you know, it's it's funny, the politics of, of all of it. It's like it, like talking about the subjective thing, you know, my, my label thinks we should put out this and I think we should put out this and we have to compromise because we're in business together. And so we have to figure out, you know, how to make everybody happy. And they're thinking, you know, what's going to be the most commercially viable? And I'm thinking what's going to be the most emotionally vulnerable, you know? Mm. And I'm like, so there, there's a bit of a, you know, it's, it's a push and a pull. And I think I, I haven't put out, um, I mean, to be honest, in the last year, I think I have a hundred songs. Like, I'm not even kidding. I've, I've written so many songs in this last year that nobody's heard and that have not gone out. And it's so funny because every single one of my friends, every single one of my label, every single person I show it to has a different favorite, including in the three songs that just came out. There's everyone I talk to has a different favorite. And it's fascinating to me. I think that's a good thing because it, I think it means I have a little bit more diverse of like different sounds and, and whatnot in, in my different songs. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's so hard to know what to put out when and, and, and whatnot, but yeah. So do you write more in the year 2021 than you've ever written before? I would say so, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I've also put out, actually no, I, I only started putting out music last year, so I can't say that, but yeah, I, I definitely have written more this year than any other year. Um, and I would say I've made more progress this year just more growth in general as a person and as an artist, I think. But the two kind of go hand in hand, right? A hundred percent. No, literally. I always say that like you can't you can't write a song un unless you've like at least done some of the emotional processing because what I, you know, in, in my life, and I know a lot of people can relate to this, like, you know, I numb a lot in, in general, like whether it's through TikTok or through whatever it might be, I'm numbing myself a lot. And, and I found myself numbing uh, all the time and then going into sessions and per like trying to just open up and be emotionally vulnerable and you can't like turn it off and on like a switch it just doesn't work like that and so i realized if i want to be open and vulnerable in my songs i have to be open and vulnerable in my real life and, and then it'll come through the songs and it worked every time but with that comes healing right and honesty that you haven't really come to terms with yeah yeah i would say honestly the hardest part about this last year has been being afraid of speaking the truth and and whether that's to protect certain people or whether that's to protect myself or whether that's to, you know, whatever it might be. I think, I think that's been the thing stopping me the most is like this fear of like, oh, I can't write this because, you know, what are people going to think or because it's going to hurt this person or whatever it might be. And I think that has like stunted me the most. And so what I've just tried to do is, is really when I'm in the studio, be like, you can say whatever you need to say, whatever is honest. And then you never have to put out the song, but at least be honest with yourself and do the song justice in the moment. And and that tends to work every time. Well, because it's for you. Right. Do you think the, there are other artists asking themselves that exact same question that you were asking yourself about being afraid to tell the truth because it could hurt people? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Do you like to think that they were asking themselves those moral questions? Oh, 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 I see what you mean. Uh Yes. To me, here's the thing. I think when it comes to like protecting people and whatnot, it's it's less about the art and more about the conversation around the art. 
Um, and I think something that's like a, a testament to that is um, I, right before these three songs came out, I have a, a text chain with a, most my super fans and I sent them this <laughs> I message. I love that so much. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, it's it's direct line. It's great. I, they don't text me directly, but I go through my team and whatnot. Yeah, so it's a focus group, baby. Totally, totally. So I, I sent out a message that was like, look, due to the nature of pop culture, th there's going to be a lot of... Um, a lot of conversations, positive and negative and everywhere in between in the next little bit. And I'm asking you, please, to treat everybody with love and respect no matter what. Even if they're saying terrible things, even if no matter what, no matter who they are, it doesn't matter. Please treat them with love and respect because that's the only way that I respond to that stuff because that's the only way forward, really. And, and so when people were spreading misinformation like, oh, this whatever XYZ drama and blah, blah, blah they would just be like, hey, actually, that's not right. It's actually this. Instead of being like, screw you, you're, you're, you know, it's like we're not about attacking people and making it like this whole thing. And It's a beautiful thing that you've done, mm -hmm. and you're encouraging kindness and peace and honesty before anything. 100%. Yeah. And uh, by the way, common courtesy. Totally, totally. And I think... Common decency. Yeah. I think a lot of times people will be like, well, don't blame artists, blame their fans. But I think we should really look at how much you are responsible as an artist for what conversations go on around your art. And I think, you know, obviously you can't control all of it, but um, the people who look up to you and are supporting you respect you, hopefully. And so that, that, should, um, that shouldn't be underestimated, I think. Uh, the power of a pop star yeah. or a superstar <laughs> or a culture shaper as it relates to the community that they've cultivated and grown. A hundred percent. That community looks up to you. You are an example to them. So totally. you set the tone and you lead the way. Absolutely. 101. Yeah. You really defined this period in your life as a crisis. When did it begin and has it ended yet? <laughs> um, well... Technically, you'd say the beginning of the year, maybe January, uh, is when the crisis sort of began. Um, and you know, it's, it's sort of interesting the way in which it's all, this year has been insane. I was thinking about it on my way here, like reflecting on like truly what a jam packed year it's been. I mean, I don't know how much you're sort of in touch with what's gone on in my life, but oh, I'm pretty in touch. Yeah. I mean, you know, January I was hospitalized and for septic shock and heart failure yeah. due to what? Due to stress, my friend, due but, to stress. So is this stress leading up to what you think or is coming or is it caused only after only after yeah it, it oh. yeah they, they actually still don't know the exact cause of it and they, they've guessed that it's been stress triggered and whatnot and it, it which is by the way a crazy testament to how powerful our minds are because yeah and and how powerful energy can be especially when you're directing energy towards somebody or towards something it's crazy how impactful it can it can really be and and um you know, I think uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza is somebody who I look up to tremendously. I don't know if you're familiar with his work, but he, he combines spirituality with uh, science and psychology and all of the above. And I watched his course a little while back about how meditating and whatnot can can heal the body and, and all that stuff. He healed himself from uh, being paralyzed from the neck down. Casual. Cra yeah, right? What? So he basically said, if I can prove this, if I can heal myself, I'm going to spend the rest of my life proving it's possible. So I watched his course like three months before everything went down. And so basically... You know, it was like a week of getting ill, getting sicker, getting sicker, getting sicker. And then it got to a point where I, to be quite honest, felt like I was having a heart attack. And I was like, so I called the medic um, and I was like, hey, I don't want to be dramatic, but I'm pretty sure I'm having a heart attack. And he said, you have a history of anxieties, so just take a nap. And I was like, okay, maybe you're probably right. So I laid down and after five minutes, I was like, nope, I'm not okay. And so I called 
um, I was filming at the time, High School Musical, and I called the production office and I said, hey guys, I, I, I don't want to be dramatic, but I seriously think I'm having a heart attack. And they sent a car to pick me up. And the next call was to my mom. And I just I immediately broke down crying because it, it it finally became like a real tangible, like it wasn't just, oh, I'm sick. It's like, oh, no, this is this serious. Is, this is a tangible physical thing that it's manifested into. 100%. And this is more than people just talking shit or you being abused when you go into a coffee shop. Right. Like that energy is cultivated 100%. and mutated into something that has has physical effects on your body. Yeah. It's, it's insane. Well, so it gets even crazier is that when I checked into the hospital, you know, first they, they, they weren't really taking me seriously. And I was trying to tell them like, you guys, I am not okay. They thought I had COVID or whatever. And I was like, I don't have COVID because I, I got tested. I was like, I am not okay. So they got me seen. They ran me through some tests and the doctors came in and they said, we don't want to alarm you, but we have to let you know you are the sickest patient in the hospital. And this is during peak COVID times, which is insane to hear. If you hadn't checked in, you wouldn't have lasted 12 hours and you have a 30% chance of surviving. And I was like, copy. And so from that moment forward, really from the week prior, but especially from that moment forward. And by the way, my song was coming out in two hours. La 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 was about I to drop. That. So it was like the biggest mind. I can't, I don't know if we're allowed to cuss, but it, it, yeah, it, it was wild. So, so from that moment on, all I could focus any attention on was healing. That was it. It was getting better, focusing on the good. I have no choice here but to survive. That's all my energy can go towards. I can't worry about whatever. I can't think about what people are saying. I can't think about anything else other than getting better. My mom, so sweet, she got in within like two hours. Like she flew in from LA or San Diego. With She got on a flight within half an hour. So she was there. That was really nice. That's actually where I got my lucky socks. Is <laughs> Tim Federley, the, the showrunner for High School Musical, came to the hospital. He actually came with me. Um, because he was so concerned, obviously, when he heard what was going on. And, and he brought me these socks, which were really my comfort socks in the hospital. And they're and, with you today. And they're with me today. And, yeah, there was actually a moment, which this story gives me chills every time I talk about it. Because I, I grew up religious, but I'm not necessarily religious. And, I, you know, I, I'm iffy on all that stuff. And I don't really know what to believe. But when I was in the hospital, there was a moment after about three days when they came in. And they were like, your vitals aren't getting any better. Like, you're, you're not improving and we're very worried and and so I was like okay and they left and I just remember sitting there and I'm getting chills about to say it I literally was like I need help I need help that's all I said I need help immediately I felt at least 50% better than I had and I'm not kidding you they the doctors came in um about half an hour later they took my blood they did a couple more tests and they said we've never seen anything like this but you've improved like almost miraculously like you're doing way better and I was like what like insane the universe works that way it's insane but also letting those mental blocks go in your head yes allows for you to have a like like admitting that you need help or asking that you need help or verbalizing that out loud or internally i mean like that yeah that has to have actual effects 100%. to your body which is so interesting if you think about the power in words it, really if you think about it i i in it's the crazy. last few months, I've, I've done my very best to not say anything that I don't want to be true. And so, you know, if, mm. for example, if I'm worried about something instead of being like, oh, this is probably going to suck, saying I'm hoping for the best, you know, it's, it's a slight difference. But that difference is everything because you are putting out the energy that you want not the energy that you don't want. Because if you're putting out the energy you don't want, you're focused on what you don't want. And, and that's and what's going to come. Exactly. Exactly. Law I, of attraction says it. It's Yo, fact. dude, I grew up with the secret. Like Nice. And I, I grew up, you know, in the church, uh, and I was an altar boy, and I read the Bible a couple times. 
And, uh, you know, it's a fine book, but the secret, dude, the universe <laughs> and the power, yeah. Oprah's Bible. That's totally. what I right, live right, by, right. Baby. Well, I think, you know, and, and a lot of religious people get upset when you say that, you know, and I think, I think something that's interesting for me is growing up with religion, a lot of my beliefs were fear-driven. They were all based on fear of consequence. Of course, because that's the Bible, right? Exactly. It's a bunch of stories that tell you what not to do because right. this could happen. But there's, you know. Totally. Yeah. But I think what's interesting is like, People who refuse to read like spiritual books or like The Secret or whatever, anyone who's read them will tell you they get real tangible, actual practical um, improvements from yes. them. Instead of just like a philosophical, oh, this is this will make your life better. I feel better when I read. I, I actually get have improvements, and so that's to me where you should judge it on is like, you know, trust your body and trust your what's actually helping you. And I think people just underestimate that sometimes. One hundred percent. And by the way, like this is a topic for another day, but. You know, real, religion and like spiritual practices like the secret or energy practices like the secret, they're kind of derived from the same thing. It's about communities uh, utilizing their energy or mm. your own personal energy for something bigger and greater. Yes. Well, um, I, I always say I, I really want to start a roundtable with like the world's leading scientists, psychologists, therapists, uof. uh, you prepared you know, religious for what that's going to unpack. Well, see, the thing is, I, I guarantee if you got them all in a room and you picked a topic and you said, I, I challenge you to find all the ways in which you guys are all saying the same shit. Oh, find can. the ways in your, they're going to be like, oh yeah, we say that, but the way we phrase it is this or whatever. I guarantee you, it's like every religion, every single thing, people will be like, only my way is right or only my way is right. And in reality, it's like, we're all looking at the same thing, trying to figure it out in our own way of understanding. And I think the more people realize that, the less isolating it is, the less Ooh. it's like, oh, it's me versus them. It's like, no, we're all trying to find peace and love. Like we're all going towards yeah. the same goal. We're just coming from different angles. So the second we realize that, it's like, oh, it's not I'm right or you're right. And if you're right, that threatens my entire existence. Nah. And if I'm right, then that means you're an idiot. It's like, no, it's like we're, we all have different understandings based off of our life experiences and what we, what we know to be true. And so that's what you have to have in mind, I think, anytime you're debating any philosophical or anything like that. You are correct. And by the way, like your point on religion is 100% accurate too. Mm -hmm. So let's go back to crisis here because mm. I don't, we don't know if it's over. So is it not over? Oh, yes. We, we know that it that. starts when you go into the hospital right. with septic shock and heart failure and you release into the universe asking for help. Help then comes. Yeah. But like it it doesn't necessarily get better, but it does because we're comparing it to physical ailments, right? Right. Well, so yeah. So you physically get better, but. Yeah, but at the same, yeah. I, no, it's the start of right. something shit. Totally. Totally. Start of something shit. Yeah. <laughs> Not start of something new. No, no. Don't be deceived. No. Yeah. Yeah. My response to that is I honestly feel like what I've learned in this last year is it's not about what happens. It's about how you react to it. And we a lot of times feel out of control and there's a lot of things we can't control. But in reality, you, you can control how you re respond to things. You can control how you, um, how you maneuver things. And I think a perfect example of that is there was a... I haven't talked about this actually on an interview, really. I don't think. I think I talked about it in my GQ interview, but um, I was doing an interview. I'm sure you've seen this. And they asked me to explain all the things I love about Harry Styles. And I'm going on and I'm going on and going on. And they're like, tell me more. And I'm like, okay. So I'm going on and going on. They're like, what are more reasons why you like Harry? I'm like, so I keep going. I'm like, I guess this is my coming out video. <laughs> when I'm saying that, it's not a lie. But I wasn't planning on saying that. It, it was sort of a casual thing where I was like, you know, whatever. And honestly, like, I feel like we are in such a time where... It's not less and less does it need to be a formal coming out or whatever. So anyway, I say that kind of as a side comment. Yeah. And again, it's not a joke, 
but it's not something I necessarily intended on saying or revealing in any way um, or really thought twice about. So that I say that. I do 50 other interviews that day. I forget about it. Two months later, that interview is trending number one on Twitter. My entire team's texting me, calling me, like, what are we going to do? This is a, you know, this is a crisis where, you know, we have to figure this out. There's all this panic. People say, and I remember I was at such a place at that moment where I was like, hold on. It's okay. We're going we're gonna to turn this around. Like, this isn't the end of the world. You know, people, this is okay. And I think my reaction in response to that is what it could have been the end of the world for me. It could have been like, oh my God, I didn't mean to say that. And now all this is happening and now people know and now all this is, but it was like, you know what? I, I don't really have anything to hide here. And, and this isn't something that needs to be the end of the world. And so what ended up happening is I ended up seeing what a lot of people were saying, good and bad. And what, when I saw all the negative, I realized like we really aren't as far along as we think we are. And initially I told my team, I'm not going to say anything. This isn't worth my comment. But then once I saw that, I was like, you know, this is an opportunity to like really say what I want to say here and stand for what I believe in. So I, I posted what I posted and, and um, you know, I wrote that in less than 30 seconds. Literally it was just like, boop, boop, boop. I sent it to my team. They were like, it's great. Take out this part and you can go. I was like, okay, good. I posted it. Didn't look back. Everyone's like, was that the scariest thing ever? And I was like, honestly, it was one of the most relieving moments of my life. So that example is like, that again could have ruined my week could have ruined my month it could have made me miserable it could have it could have been frightening for me but because of how i responded to it and reacted it it, it turned into a really beautiful thing and, and actually really liberating and seeing how many people it helped was really also what so anyway but that's but by the way like that's beautiful embracing honesty really went on to help a lot of people mm. truthfully and uh, you know no matter what, to what degree that is honesty and your truth mm. it did help a lot of people and it God, I remember it like it was yesterday. But also, quite frankly, you know, somebody saying to you that that's like the worst thing that could happen to you or isn't that the worst thing? Reality is, sister, like it's not. You had a terrible <laughs> song written about you that ended up becoming one of the biggest songs of the last century, maybe. I don't fucking know. Mm. And that's way fucking worse, is it not? <laughs> um, I... I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't I don't know how to compare traumas. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But like at that point, like it, I, I cried when I read you did. I, I think it was GQ. You did a written piece. Mm. I felt I really did. I really I took on your baggage when I was mm. reading this uh, piece and, and hearing you talk about this idea that you couldn't even go into a coffee shop. Because they'd play this song over and over again. Yeah. And I feel admittedly, by the way, I mean, that's like so. <laughs> That's disgusting. You are a terrible human being who's making assumptions, gross assumptions, and there's millions of you out there. And I felt bad for a few different reasons. One, because you know what we do here. We talk and we dissect art. Right. You know, we dissect songs. We try to give people meaning and stories behind them. And a part of me is like, you know, have we in some way perpetuated this culture mm. where art needs to be released and it needs to be about somebody, whether you whether it is or isn't. Mm. And then at the same time, you have the ability to then creatively elaborate on whatever the f you want mm. in that song because you have creative freedom. Right. But then that song that you've had creative freedom in creating and weaving this narrative gets branded to a person. Mm. Yeah. No, it's, it, yeah, it's tough. I mean, I think, you know, that's part of what's honestly, like I said, when I said I was having a hard time writing this year, what was stopping me so much is I can't write with any anonymity. I can't write about, I mean, I can, but people are going to assume it's about this or this or this or, you know, and so, yeah, it's tough. I mean, I think that there is something really special about people not knowing what a song is about because then it's their own, you know, yes. and I think that's what I've tried to, you know, I was, I was, that's what I want to do. And I think, unfortunately, for the next little bit, I, you know, we're, we're not in that 
ball game anymore. And and you know it's it's unfortunate because you know it 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 takes away from the actual you know the actual art and, and people's perception and interpretation for themselves, and it makes it into a a whole other thing that you know I guess I guess it's not the worst thing in the world that you know people have an understanding of what things are about. But I, I just I, I miss the anonymity of art, you know. But it's it's when you take the gray and you 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 create yeah. you, you you choose to assume because mm. you know you talk about in crisis it only being half true, mm-hmm. and then you also say that you're okay with playing the bad guy. But like, were you the bad guy? Like the thought of looking at you and thinking bad guy like doesn't even <laughs> appear in my my my, my brain. <laughs> I think sometimes people need people to be the bad guy, whether that's to feel better about themselves or. For whatever benefit they have, they, they need to make people the bad guy. I do say it's cool if you want to play the bad guy. I mean, it, it's more so like, sh- like okay, if you're gonna if you're gonna do this, like, I can't stop you from from trying to to create a narrative or trying to push um, an, an image or whatever onto somebody. But um, but I'm human too, you know. It's like and and also like the hardest thing in this last year has just been biting my tongue. And, and sort of trying to trying to protect the people that I love and, and trying to... But the thing is, this is the problem with, you know, so the three songs coming out, right? Crisis, Secret, and Set Me Free. I cannot explain my side of the truth or explain any... any defend myself without having to expose other people, without having to then be like, well, this is actually what happened and here's why. Like, it, And so that was what was tough is like, I, I don't want to do the same thing that's being done to me. That's not my goal. I'm not trying to tit for tat two wrongs don't make a right 100 percent. however you you cannot you cannot ignore a a very vital part of this story and hope that you know everything goes your way and 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 pretend like there's not this other reality to it and then and then force that on somebody else and then force them to deal with it and expect it to just be like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, treat me like garbage, and I'm just gonna stay quiet and let you do whatever you want. But, it's like, li- but literally, more than just a single person treating you like like that's like that's what brought me to tears, dude. Is mm. this idea that you can't even live a fucking normal life? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, part of it's like what I signed up for, but at the same but time, no. yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, you're, yeah. I, I, honestly, to be honest, I think I'm so used to it that I'm not phased at all. Like, I appreciate your anger, nah, but I'm. <laughs> Like it's very hurt by it. Mm. Well, just this, the idea of you not being able to live a normal life. Okay, obviously people come up to you, but like you know, there's a, right. there's a line there. And uh, well, I think there's something to be said about the fact that the person played it over speakers and would never ever come to me and say anything to my face ever. Her her coworker apologized on her behalf. You know, yeah. it's like that's the thing is like people people are all talk. You know, and that's something that's been really revealed to me over this last year is like you can go on Twitter, you can go on TikTok, and feel like the end of the world. And then you go outside and you're like, oh, nobody's actually in real life doing this stuff. And that's why my rule and what I try and tell people is like, before you tweet, close your eyes and picture that person, whoever it's to, in front of your face. Picture them literally right in front of you and say it to them. If you can say it to them and feel good, go ahead. Or if you can still, if it still holds up, then go ahead. But I think that's where the internet is tricky is it doesn't feel like real life. It doesn't feel like it's real people. And so you're able to do that. But unfortunately, then when it starts impacting real life, that's where there's a problem. Yeah. Or Actually, no, I think the internet itself is a problem, but um, it becomes like more dangerous when it's uh, when it has a real world impact, which we're now in a point of the internet where everything has a real world impact. The internet is like a real world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So why do you feel 
the need to protect those who haven't protected you? I, I've thought about that a lot. Um, and honestly, when I wrote out when I wrote out my text that I sent to my fans before, I read it to my therapist that day and broke down sobbing, just sobbing. And I was like, the reason why I couldn't figure it out for a minute, but I, I realized that's all I asked. That's all I wanted. That's all I could have asked for is just a simple, hey, maybe don't do this. Maybe let's treat people as human beings. My philosophy is when you really love somebody, you want to protect them and you want to care about them. And I realized in wanting to protect people that I love that the people who haven't protected me, maybe they didn't love me in the way that they think they did. And maybe they didn't actually love me because true, true love, not romantic, true love says, I care for you as a human being and I care in your best interest. Yeah. And I want to make sure that you are okay. And when that isn't shown, it, it to me, I don't believe you if you say you love me and then you, you throw me to the dogs or whatever. And so, you know, actions speak louder than words. Love is an action. Um, I think the reason why I'm trying to protect people is because I really love them. And I don't know if but, I could say that in the other way around. But do you love who they were? Not who they are. Well... You know, that, that's another thing. I mean, I think when you're, when you're in the hospital literally fighting for your life and the people you, you expect to, who know how bad your condition is, be there for you when they're not. It, it's all the information you need in the world of oh. who they really are. At, ultimately, I can say to you honestly, I have love for, for everybody. That sounds bullshit. But I am able to, and a lot of people are, but I'm not saying this just makes me special, but I do my very best anyway to find the humanity in everybody no matter what. And even if people are cruel, even if people are whatever, understanding that there is something that happened along the way that caused them to not feel love in their heart and caused them to want other people to suffer. That doesn't mean I can tolerate and, and let people do whatever they want. That's not saying what they're doing is okay. I'm, not, I'm by no means endorsing them. But I think if people really knew the impact that they had negatively on people, if they like actually felt what they are, the, the pain they're causing, I think it would stop in a heartbeat. Uh, truly. Anytime someone's being cruel. And it, but it takes communication to get there. No, for sure. For sure. I mean, again, I just think to, to answer your question of like, do you love them or, or do you yeah. love who they used to be or who they are now? And the answer is, I don't know that, that it's any different. Um, obviously, there's a difference between like knowing somebody and loving them. Like I don't, certain people I don't know anymore at all. Right. Like I don't, I say and set me free, I don't recognize you. Like, you know, it, and so that's the thing is like, I don't know them, but I can still deep down, as hard as it might be sometimes, find love for that person or those people, whoever it might be, including people who, this is a kind of a side topic, but, um, you know, I posted recently about people um, telling me, this is a trigger warning just for anybody listening. Um, is it okay if I talk about it? Yeah, of course, and we're definitely, I mean, I, we have to discuss this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're going to talk about what people said online in regards to you talking about being abused as a kid. Yeah. So I, I opened up in a GQ interview about, um, without going into much at all, just sort of mentioning that I had experienced abuse when I was a kid and I've just recently been coming to and realizing what actually happened and fully processing that. And I'm still in the middle of processing that. Um, and some people 
like I said, are, are are numb or are not seeing people as human beings, whatever it might be. Um, and they were saying some things and, you know, somebody said like, um, you deserved it. And, uh, I forget what else. They were downplaying the, the idea that a man could be abused. Right, it right. was the most disgusting, horrendous, grotesque, vile things I'd ever seen written on the internet by people who claim to support or have another human's best interests. Right. I, disgusting yeah and that's i wrote a song called all in the name of love and it's like don't don't say it was all in the name of love like don't don't say this is all for the greater good but anyway. when do you write that song uh i don't know six months ago maybe yeah so is set me free attached to what you went through as a kid because like dude the creaking sound at the beginning of the song that mm. sounds like it could be a floorboard or a bet like what is it it's the um the sustain pedal on the piano i mean it is eerie yeah and definitely sets a very dark tone to what ends up becoming a very freeing song totally i can go li like why must i hurt for you to feel okay mm. who are you talking to yeah i mean writing that song i wasn't thinking about any of the stuff that happened in my childhood it wasn't really about that you know and it honestly the why must i hurt for you to feel okay is is this you might say this is a bullshit answer, but it's not it's about a handful. It's it's about a lot of people It's about yeah. a lot of situations, you know, anytime somebody has Specifically hurt somebody to feel better like that 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 it's a, and, and I have countless examples in my life of people doing that um, and I'm sure many people do as well, but I Realized long after writing that song that it, it's an anthem for a lot more and what I realized is that Forgive me if I get emotional. Mm -hmm. Um the people in my life who abused me, multiple people, they have held so much over me, so much. And, and whether that's trauma or whether that's shame or whether that's, uh, you name it, they've, they've held so much power over me. And this last year has shown me that they can only hold to you what you hold to yourself. And as, as I realized that, I was able to sort of relinquish the power that they had over me and, and I wrote about this I just made a discord channel and I've been posting a lot of stuff on my notes app and it's a really great community We're building really really lovely people, but um, I, I What I said is I wrote a thing about fear and I said, you know fear is all they really had on you And I think a lot of times people use fear as an intimidation tactic or they use fear um, to you know, whether it's to abuse people or to get what they want, whatever it is, people use fear. And in reality, if you're if you're truly courageous and, and you don't fall for that and you don't allow their fear to dictate your life, you step into your power and you take it back. And and as I stepped back into that, I started to realize all the ways in which I've I've given these people who don't care about me, who don't have my best interest in mind, who don't who you know, all of the above. I gave them all the power in the world. I gave them the power over my psyche. I gave them the power over my my body, how I felt about myself. I gave them the power over my entire being. And and again, it goes back to that saying that I said, of don't let them tell you who you are. It's like the second I realized that I was allowing other people who genuinely don't love me to 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 tell me who I am or to tell me how I should feel about myself or to tell me what to do, I was like, no, this is not this is not how this works. Like. If my friends who love me say, hey, we're concerned about you and we think that, that I will absolutely listen to them because they have my respect and they have my best interest in mind. But I realized like I was giving I was giving so much power to so many people who did not deserve my power. And this goes back a long time. 
Yeah, since about five. Well, at what point do you realize that that like I have I, I have a lot of questions, but at the same time I can't even come close to imagining what you've gone through. At what point do you realize that like what was happening wasn't it wasn't supposed to ha- be happening? It wasn't the right thing. It wasn't. Do you remember that moment? Yeah. Um, so this is where it gets tricky. Um, so I'm because I, I I am gonna try a little bit to protect the identities of the people because I know that I shouldn't, but this is not the format to. I think a key word for me in this healing process has been and, um, because a lot of times what we'll say is, yes, they hurt me, but they're hurting themselves, and what that does is it invalidates your own experience. And the key for me, as somebody's mentioned this to me, is saying and because and can make can allow both to exist. So saying this person abused me and they're suffering is how you allow space to one process and 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 validate your feelings, but also then hold space for them as a human being. Not that you should or that they deserve it. I'm not saying that, but that's just my personal philosophy. But you choose to see them as a human being. You choose to have slight empathy for them. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the tricky thing, though, is because there's a reason why there's consequences to things. So that's where it's tricky is because it's like, you know, you sort of uh, allow them to continue to be what they are if you don't stand up and say something. But at the same time, I, you know, I don't want them to, to experience pain because there's, there's no reason why they would do anything like that unless they themselves were in, in remarkable pain. There's no way that they would do that unless they were in serious, serious pain. And so it's like, it's a tricky thing between like, you know, being held accountable and being responsible, but also like not wanting somebody to have to go through what you went through. What you went through. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like went through at their hand. Right. Exactly. You only revisit this within the last year? Mm. When it started, I was about five and it was domestic. Meaning in your family or Mm. what? And I didn't, um, I was five. So you don't know. Fuck if I know what's going on. Um, and this person was, of course, you know, you can't tell anybody, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and so I'm thinking, you know, if I tell anyone, I'm going to get in trouble or whatever. Um, and then when I was about 13 or 14, I, uh, this much older guy who was one of my close friends um, started sort of, and I talk about this in the podcast that's that I'm going to be putting out, but... Um, he started grooming me and it started becoming something else. And I didn't even realize... How old was he? He was 18, 19. How'd you meet him? Um, theater. Yeah. Through. And you were a freshman? Yes, barely. Not even. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that sort of started happening and I didn't really fully understand what was wrong. By the way, I had five sisters, so I didn't have any... You had no male presence exactly. outside of your dad. Exactly, and so I didn't know what a normal guy French... I didn't have any friends really growing up. Like I didn't really know what a normal relationship was like, and so it started out with, um, you know... Like, I don't know how far we can go on this, but... You, please. Sure. Whatever you like, feel comfortable with. Yeah, no, totally. And, and I do talk about this all in my podcast, so I feel comfortable talking about it, but, you know, it starts out with, like, oh, we should go jerk off. You know, why don't you go in the other room, and I'll stay in this room, and it's like, okay, I didn't think guys did that, but... Sure. And then the next thing is like, oh, we can just stay in the same room, you know, and then it gets progressive and progressive, whatever. The person who's doing this to you when you were five lasts for how long? Till I was about nine, eight or nine, I think. I don't really remember, to be honest. I, I don't, I just have flash bulb images. I don't really have like a full memory of it. Do it's you like, want to have a full memory of it? I'm probably not. 
now, right? No, yeah, I'm okay with how I'm remembering it now, but I think I remember enough. And I think as I continue this process, my therapist actually was like, hey, when you, if you talk about this stuff, make sure you mention that it is a multi-step process, you know, going through this stuff. And like I said, I realized this happened a year ago. And so even in the last year, a lot more has come up. And I've been like, wow, how did I forget that happened? What so to answer a question from a little bit ago, when this relationship with this old guy began, I remember what happened with the family member. Um, and I told him, what had happened because I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this. And his reaction was, ew, what the hell? That's disgusting. Why would you tell me that? It's so embarrassing. That's gross. Why would you tell me that? And he was the first person I had told and it just was like, boom, gone. Forget about it. That is never coming out again. No one will ever know about that. That's the most disgusting thing in the world. Forget about it. Little did I know, of course he was uncomfortable with that because he himself was... Was perpetrating it. But the yeah. reality is you felt enough trust to share this with somebody probably for the first time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's what I, you know, is, is really tricky is like if you, you know, if anyone watching this does remember something and they want to share it, just be extra, extra sure you really trust and know who you're sharing it with because that that's really crucial sort of who's the space for you initially when you're sort of, whether it's a therapist or, or whoever, you know, just making sure that there's somebody you can trust. So yeah, that initial thing made me push it all away. And again, I was like 13, 14. So technically that was the first time I remembered. I pushed it away again. And then last year, it came back. It's like, whoa, all at once. Yeah, because when it rains, it pours. Right, yeah. And so it was like, what the hell? How did I forget that that happened? And, and you know, in, in processing it, it's it's been, it's been tough. And, you know, like even um, a week ago, I was in therapy and I got really angry, like really angry for the first time about it. And I, and she was like, good, thank God you're finally angry about it. And it's because it had been so long ago and I had been so conditioned and so like wasn't really looking at it because it was just something I'd pushed away my whole life. And recently as I'm like really looking at it in the eyes and what's really happened and how it's affected my entire life and how it's fucked with me, I'm like, I'm angry. Like, that is not, I should not have been, that is not okay. And for whatever reason, you, you know, we, when we get abused, don't necessarily always have, like, our self-worth at the forefront of our mind. Never. And so we don't really realize how fucked that is. And and honestly, the way I, I really am able to see it for what it is, because right now I can be like, yeah, I'm fine now. Like, And that's the thing is, like, this is part of the toxic masculinity thing. People saying, go put on a dress. This is why it doesn't help, right? Is because... I can say to myself, yeah, well, it happened a long time ago. It wasn't that bad, right? It's like no. when I picture five-year-old me, I burst into tears. When I picture 13-year-old me, I burst into tears. When, you, when you're able to see the, the, the version of you from the outside that was being abused, then you, you're able to see that that person, that human being, didn't deserve that. And, and that's, again, I think a problem with, with this conversation um, – specifically around men. And I know that there's a lot more issues with sexual assault that don't involve um, male victims, but they're just as valid and, and just as important, I think, because, you know, um, a, a lot of times people with people with um, people who are more inclined to abuse have been abused themselves. And until we break the chain, until we have a space yeah. where we say, hey, if this happened to you and it was wrong and you knew it was wrong, you're valid. That's all we need to know. That's all we need to be saying and, and having space for. And, and the more we can do that, then people can process and then people can actually can talk about what they've been through and, and, and in a healthy way instead of, you know, I saw people tech, uh, messaging me or, or whatever saying, 
Um, if they said that to you, I can't imagine what they'd say to me if I were to come out about what I experienced, right? It's like that is the opposite of how we fix this problem. And you just like hit the nail on the head so precisely. Mm. The way you break the cycle of abuse is by releasing the stigma mm. attached to opening up about it. Yes. And you allow people to converse in safe, healthy environments. I mean, I've had I have many people in my life and I have people very close to me who have gone through things mm. similarly and they go their whole life without even acknowledging it mm. and it starts to manifest and mutate into way into things that like they don't even pick up on and they're unaware of yeah. and it's not until you sit down and you take a look at somebody's actions that they can actually connect it back to what right. was right and what happened God, the way you fix this cycle is by allowing people to speak openly about it and by getting rid of the stigma of mental health and trauma. Mm. I mean, God, man, we're all human beings. We all go through things. So the fact that like anybody out there would make any sort of space, whether it be digitally or physical, unsafe for somebody who's just looking to share and open up about their experiences and, and, and are, are in search of healing, mm. I, that's very disgusting. And, and you know who you are, truly. God, how do you fix that problem? The answer is it's so big. Yeah, well, I think I think the first step is breaking the taboo. Yeah. I mean, it, literally, every time you talk about a taboo, you break it by definition. Like, a taboo is what you, we won't look at, what we won't talk about. And I think, you know, I grew up in a household where everything was taboo and where I couldn't, no one really talked about their feelings and no one talked about anything. And what I realized and, and what a lot of people, I think, realize when they do speak up is it's 10 times scarier when it's unsaid. Yeah. When when you want to say something but you haven't yet, holy shit, it is terrifying. It is like the end of the world. What are they going to think of me? What's going to happen? The power in saying it out loud is liberating. I mean, this even goes back to my coming out post. It's like people would say, isn't that the scariest thing you've ever done? And the truth is what's scarier is the 15 or why would I say, I guess since I've been cognitive, 15 plus years of me being afraid to live my truth. That's much scarier than me saying my truth. Yeah. And the second I realized that, it's like, again, I think, and there's times where, you know, maybe I've done something and I don't want to tell my therapist because I'm afraid that she's going to judge me or I'm afraid that whatever. <clears throat> and then five weeks later, after all these sessions, I finally build up the courage to say it. And I'm like, oh, that wasn't that scary at all. That It was much worse when I wasn't saying it. And in saying it, you you take away this this shadow that it has. It's like, um, you know, I, I forget this, this, um, story, but it's like these people in a cave, um, being afraid of, of the shadows like on the wall, like they've been afraid to go outside because there's these shadows from these people outside that are huge on the wall and they won't even look because the shadows are massive. And they're like, these people are terrifying. We're never going to go outside. And they turn around and look and the people are a 10th of the size of their shadow. And they realize, oh my gosh, I was scared of the shadow. I wasn't actually scared of them. And I think that is, is crucial in terms of, um, you know, coming coming moving forward with this stuff is it sounds scary but the more you talk about it the less scary it is truly is the process ever done or is mm. this something you manage i don't know i mean that's a great question i think i don't know if i'm qualified to answer that because i would hate to say either way um but you know everything that's ever happened to you permanently changes who you are a hundred percent we are we are rocks and our experiences are weather a hundred percent yes so in in a way 
it's happened and it's never going to, that's never going to change. Can't go away. Right. You know, how I feel about it will change, of course. Um, but who it's made me is forever. And, and yes, I'm going to turn into somebody else, but every time I change as a person, it's embedded with the DNA of who I was before, you know? And so it, it's like, you know, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I think I'm going to continue to be processing it for probably a while. And, and I am fortunate that I'm getting like really good help from my, my amazing therapist. I know not everyone's as fortunate to have those resources, but, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's still something, again, it's still very fresh for me to even be processing. So I, I can't give you an answer there, but are you proud of who you become? Yes. Yeah. I think, um, and a lot of people were like, what took you so long to say these three songs? For example, mm-hmm. um, that, kind of a different, uh, diverting real quick from the, yeah. the abuse. In this, my current public situation, <laughs> um, people were like, what took you so long to say this? And what took you long to find the words and the courage and all that stuff? And I realized that when you don't have love for yourself, then when other people hate you, it reconfirms the hate you already have for yourself. So you believe them. Or when you have shame and you think you are unworthy of love and people confirm that, it, it further solidifies it in your head. And once I stepped away from everything and I found um, love for myself and I found respect for myself, that's when I realized I wasn't being loved and respected by the people who I should be being loved and respected by. And that's when I fully saw the, what was wrong with all of it. Because again, even though you can cognitively know that something's messed up, if you deep down believe that you're worthless, then you're never going to stand up for yourself because y- y- why would you? But once you step in empower, once you're empowered, then you go, oh no, that wasn't okay. The way they treated me was not okay because I know my worth now and I'm not going to settle for anything less. And so anyway, th- that has been part of the process of me becoming who I am. So to answer your question, I am very, very proud of who I am and who I've become and who I'm continuing to be. I think every day I'm, I'm learning more and more the ways in which I can improve and I can help myself and I can help other people. And I think, um, you know, standing up for what is right and, and putting my best foot forward and getting through this year, which was to hell and back and hell again, Getting through that and who I've become, I'm absolutely proud of of that, and um, and excited to sort of see what what's next. Because I think this year has forced me to become a completely different person for the better. You know, I think um, I was sort of coasting, and this year has just sh- sh- put me in a box and said, "Climb out," you know. And and I had to like like Batman in the cave, like you know, I had to just rely on my own strength and rely on my own everything to to you know jump and climb out of the cave proves a lot to yourself for sure you're incredibly capable absolutely but do these three songs crisis secret and set me free do these three songs come out and then you are confident in yourself or comfortable in yourself or you used the word when you were giving the answer before like like you know and you talked about these three records like do, do you feel Like I'm trying to figure out the right way to phrase it like do you need these three songs to be out in the world in order for you to feel Mm, Cathartic. Yeah, yeah. or is writing it and just having them exist on a hard drive somewhere enough? Yeah, I mean it's funny I remember like I said hundred like at least a hundred songs from this last year Um, I was driving once and I was listening to a song and I was like, oh, I just wish this come out and people would know that 
not one of these three songs. Uh, but anyway, really, it, yeah. It, and and I realized in that moment, I was like, hold on, you, revenge or anything like that is not going to give you peace at all. If you're looking for revenge to give you peace, you're looking down the wrong direction because it's just not going to. And so I realized that I need to find my peace on my own, regardless of the music, regardless of the public, regardless of anybody else. I, I have to. But do you feel like you're charting this path on your own? Like, why do I, like, mm. do you have friends behind you? Mm. I, I have some really great friends that I've actually made this year, the best friends I've ever had, and they've absolutely changed my life. A lot of people who are fans have probably seen them in my Disney World TikToks, but I, I have a lot of really, not a lot, but I have some really solid, solid friends who have who have been the only reason how I got through this year, like tr truly. And the people who I thought were going to be there for me, nope. The people who I wished were there for me, nope. But the people who were actually good for me and who they found their way to me and, and I found my way to them and we've helped each other in so many ways and we've built a really good tr true bond. And I think that the reality is when shit hits the fan, when you are going through a crisis, you know real quick who your real friends are, like real quick. And, um, and you know, ultimately it's led me to these great friends. And so I'm so thankful that I now know who my real friends are and, and who I can give my time and energy to and who but, I should rely on and who I can lean on. But do you trust them? A hundred percent. And, and I, I do have a little bit of a sixth sense about trusting it. Yes, people have betrayed my trust many, many, many times. I mean, times. secrets, like, of course. Like, that, that's what the song's about for the most part, yes? Yes, yeah. There's lots of... Um, betrayal. Betrayal, which is ironic. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's tricky because you... you based on the life of experience thus far, outside of what I've even talked about today in public stuff, I shouldn't trust anyone ever again. No. Ever. <laughs> but, but, but also, you... you Yes, that is 100% right. correct. Yeah, so so being able to then come back and, and actually trust people is tricky. And, and to be honest, I'm very selective now, very. Like, my inner circle, airtight. Like, if I don't, if I get a sense that you don't have my best interest in mind, you're out. And I'm sorry. Like, I'll be nice to you. I would love to get some coffee maybe. But, we're you know, that is not, if, if I don't feel safe, it's not going to happen. And so... Ultimately, I'm actually grateful that this year has shown me that I can't trust very many people because I would rather know that I can only trust five people mm. than think I can trust 50 and end up being proven wrong. Amen. Yeah. It allows you not to waste your time and not to get hurt in the process and not to have anything that you think is safe out mm -hmm. there and exposed into the world. Totally. And one more thing on that in terms of trust, because I used to have, I used to take any sort of mistake as a breach of trust. Like, for example, if I told a friend something and they accidentally said it to somebody else, I would be like, you're dead to me. Like, like I can't trust you ever again. Obviously, I still have to be selective with who I trust in terms of like, I, you know, my friends have to understand that specifically for me, people are going to be asking them questions and they have to understand, like, you know, to respect that. But ultimately, like, the way I gauge it is like, do you have my best interest in mind? Do you have my best interest at heart? And are you willing to put that into action? Not just say that you have my best interest in mind. If you slip up here and there, like, and tell me, then we're good. Like, truly. But if you don't have my best interest in mind, then there's, like, no room. There's just no room because, because it's only a matter of time, you know? And it's like, so, anyway. By the way, like, coming to that realization is beautiful and profound and will allow you to live a much healthier, safe, friendly existence Yes, that allows you to be a person and mm. yourself. And... 
that's all I could wish for you because mm. truly, dude, like you should be incredibly proud of yourself. I, I don't know you incredibly well just off this conversation, but I know, I know to a T, I know with every fiber of my being that you have such a beautiful moral fiber mm. and your empathy is like on a cross, like it's admirable, bro. It is admirable to the point where it's like, I can't, I can see the good in people. I can understand their struggle, but like you, gosh, you are incredible. Truly, truly, truly. Shucks. Are, are you like, I don't know. I don't even like, are you surprised that you've been able to like, it, 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 what do you want from society when you chose to share that, sh the, the, your, your baggage with them? Did you have expectations or um, did you just do it because you felt like you needed to for you? Yeah, it's funny. So there was a period where, and my friends all know this, I was like mortified of putting out anything that talked about anything. I was like, no way. I'm going to get eaten alive, all that shit. And I was allowing the people who hated me and who did not care for me at all to dictate my life. I, I literally was putting so much weight into those people. And what my therapist helped me to realize and my friends helped me to realize is so many people feel like they don't have a voice. And I am in such a fortunate position which I do have a voice in which I can say something and have any sort of impact, whether that's small or large. Like in general, I, 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 I have a voice. And so to me, it was it became so apparent that it's essential that I speak the truth. It's essential that I I put out this art that expresses what I've been through and will help people. And it has. And that's what's been the most beautiful thing I've ever seen is people saying this helped me get through this or this put into words what I couldn't and, and whatnot. And like seeing that, it just makes it all worth it. So in a way, it's for me. Um, and and in a way, it's on behalf of people who either have been mistreated or have been beaten down and have sort of let it consume them and haven't been able to get back up. And I think the fact that I've gotten it back up and I, I am on my own two feet is, is, you know, not something to be ashamed of. And it is, you know, so putting that stuff out is like, you know, it's funny. People think that they, people think that it's just, I, I don't know. People's opinions don't get to me anymore. Like, after this year, like, there's nothing you can say to me I haven't seen. That's, that, exactly. <laughs> like, and it's like, th there's so many people benefiting. It's like, it just, th the noise doesn't matter anymore. Like, again, it, it, you know, this is what's so cool about my Discord channel is like, we're building such a beautiful community and so many great people. Um, and, and any time I see any negative comment from somebody who literally doesn't have any idea what they're talking about. Mm. It doesn't, not only am I like, it's fine, ignore it, ignore it. It doesn't even phase me because I'm like, my purpose is greater than your disapproval of me. Like what I'm doing and how I'm helping people hopefully is far, far more important. And, and again, even if, even if everybody hates me and one person is, is better off because of my art, then I'm going to put it out. And I'm not going to let people bully me into shutting up. And I think... I probably did let people bully me into shutting up in the beginning of the year, including myself in terms of just like feeling like I couldn't say anything and feeling like, and, and now it's like, no, you don't get to tell me, you don't get to tell me what, what to do and who I am. I, I truly, I fully believe in life evening itself out. Yeah, I agree. Fully. Like karma, call it whatever the hell you want. 
it always evens out. And to anyone in high school, by the way, who is experiencing high school bullshit, I don't talk to anybody from from when I was in high school. Like literally one person. And and those people ruled my life. They were my world. When they spread rumors about me, that was the end of it. That was like awful. And it's so. Did funny they spread now. rumors about you? Oh yeah. I mean yeah. Especially in theater, it's like that's how it goes. But rooted around what? Um, sexuality. Funnily enough. Um, especially because it was a Christian theater, so you know, there's all that shame and all that bullshit. Um, you know, it's just different things here and there of like, oh, he made out with this person, and you know, stupid shit. Like that just doesn't. But but when you're in high school, it feels like the end yeah. of the world because you know it is your world, and that's that's another thing is when you have shitty friends and you start to realize your friends are shitty, <laughs> and you're like, I want better friends. Like for example, um, there was a period right after, right? Sorry. There was a period right before I moved to LA um, where there was a really nasty rumor going around um, and everybody, like every, at least once a day, someone would come up to me and be like, hey, I heard a rumor, whatever. And I would explain myself and they wouldn't believe me or they didn't, whatever. Uh -huh. And I just slowly was like losing, losing friends or losing people I could trust. And I remember being like, oh my God, all of my friends, I can't trust any of them. And I had one friend that I was like, I, I know I can trust her no matter what. And... I don't want to go too much into the rumor, but basically it was about me and this other guy, this older guy. Somebody spread a rumor that we had a, um, that they had caught us in the act or whatever. That rumor wasn't true, but what I wasn't able to express to people was that it wasn't consensual. So like that was where it was even multi-layered and fucked. What's crazier is that a teacher was spreading that rumor. A teacher. Wait, what? Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. So this is high school? Yes. It's insane. So basically, again, it was like day after day, someone would come to me like, hey, I heard this rumor. And I'm like, that's not true. And they'd be like, oh, I don't know. It sounds about right. And it was just like all this shit. And yeah, it's like ridiculous. So that happened, that happened. And then again, there was this one friend. And um, I literally was like, in all else fails, I have her. She calls me one night and she says, hey, I heard a rumor. And I was like, okay. And I explained to her it's not true. And she's like, you can tell me. And I'm like, no, like what the hell? So anyway, it was ridiculous. And then ended up she ended up hanging up the phone and i cried myself to sleep i was literally like i have no friends i was like i'm at the bottom of the barrel i have nobody i'm completely alone i i literally wept myself to sleep i woke up to a phone call the phone call woke me up from my manager that i had booked my first role stuck in the middle <laughs> in la and i moved to la that day <laughs> and it was just so cool because it was such an example of like all those people were falling away and i thought the end of the world all my friends at the time were gone uh. and i was like i can't trust anybody nothing immediately i'm catapulted into another universe and i meet all these new people and all these you know wonderful people and so i think that's when that brings me so much joy yeah it, it really had a great turnaround it was it was a it was a shitty shitty bit and then it turned around really wonderfully um, but I think when people have shitty friends, they settle because they don't have any other friends and they think, well, I can't abandon these friends because then I'm going to be alone. And I'm telling you now, you're better off alone than with shitty friends. Amen. Because those shitty friends will hold you back from doing things that you never thought were possible. hundred percent. And also you think about like, you know, all the successful people in the world got, were successful because they locked themselves in a room. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, I had no friends in high school and I would, same thing. I would go to bed every night weeping and I had nobody to talk to. And I felt just this social, uh, no, like to, to go months without any sort of social interaction with another mm. person you know just going through the day just silent for for oh, for months i locked myself in the room and i figured out how to make a radio show yeah and i was 14 and oh, yeah. uh yeah well I, hey i locked myself i got grounded for a month when i was 14 and i taught myself how to play guitar in that month and that's how i learned so jesus and yeah. how old were you when you end up booking that disney channel show um i was stuck in the middle 
16. Yeah. Wow. And I moved out on my own completely. Literally was living on my own completely. It's not until you rid yourself of that negativity or that toxicity that like any sort of positive anything can come into your life. Right. And uh yeah, I mean you God. have to you have to like like with my friends, for example, like like I said when I was 15 or 16, all my friends falling away, all my toxic friends falling away so that I could have a new life. Totally. Like yeah, so it's it's totally yeah. The sad thing is I do think that we we as people go through a few different cycles of that, but you do have people who stick around no matter what. Yeah, no, for sure. No, it's definitely it's not like a one yeah, no, for sure. It, it happened. Like it's happened to me twice already. It's well, you know, it's also interesting is when you evolve as a person and when you're really working on yourself sometimes you you start to realize like maybe these friends aren't are lining with the person I'm becoming. And that's, you know, as you evolve, it's like sometimes those things fall away. And sometimes those people will resent you for a long time because they they go, oh, you think you're better than me or whatever. And it's like, no, I don't think I'm better than you, but I'm becoming a different person and we're falling out of alignment. And, and that's that, okay. Yeah, and that's okay. It, it really is okay. Like you can't expect everybody to be aligned with, you know, throughout your entire journey. Yeah, they, they literally can't be. And trying to force yourself into their pattern or they try to force right. themselves into your flow it's only going to create disruption 100 yeah uh, so there's three songs that you need to listen to i'm sure you've heard them but you should listen to them again they're really great crisis secrets set me free there's going to be a link in the description below I, I cannot wait to continue to be a fan of yours mm. and to be able to experience what you put out there not only through the music you create but through the podcast you're going to launch called taboo talk mm -hmm. when does that start uh, we're trying to get it out as soon as possible. Um, I don't have a date, honestly, but um, as soon as possible. Got it. Very. I mean, that the, the the thought of people being able to openly share their experiences and their traumas, like we said earlier in this conversation, really will lend itself to breaking this vicious, disgusting cycle that is fueled by people being ashamed, mm. people feeling afraid, people feeling alone, not worthy, and alone. I mean, I, I literally say at the beginning of the first episode, this is the podcast I wish I had when I was 10. It's the podcast I wish I could have watched. And so that's to me where I find my purpose in that. It's like, it's for little me. And in doing that, I know it's for little, lots of people or old lots of people. <laughs> it's true. It really is true. I got to ask, like, are you nervous to go back to set on high school musical, the musical, the series? You got it right. Um... I am not. I'm very excited. I think we have a really, really awesome season lined up, and I think, um, you know, it it's it's gonna be uh, truly a blast. I think I think we have a lot of really great episodes lined up, and and it's gonna be, I think, the most fun one yet in terms of writing and morale and all that stuff. So I'm I'm really excited. How is Joshua Bassett different today than the last time you were on set back January, February, right? Mm, yeah. Um, that's a great question. Um, it's probably a long one to answer. Yeah, I think I think I'm different today in that I am a little more centered now. I think than I was. I think you know when you're on a TV show and you're um, being pulled in thirty different directions and you're also trying to make music and you're, it's it's it can be so much overwhelming. You end up doing everything at twenty percent instead of doing one thing at a hundred. And I think. Now I've I've just through daily practices of whether it's meditation or yoga or reading and writing I, I've sort of built into my daily lifestyle more of a grounded um, routine 
and I think I'm more centered in every way in my life, whether that's, again, on set or wherever I go. And so I, I would say that's probably the biggest difference. And, and also I just um, I just feel like I'm so much happier and feel like I have so much more love to give and so much more um, – I'm so much more at peace than I was. Um, so, yeah, I would say that. Your story is – dude, like who you are is incredibly special and one in a trillion and – very inspiring and again like I can't I can't say it enough like your empathy is admirable to the highest possible degree it is really really when is your birthday December 22nd what are you a Scorpio I'm a no I'm a no, what is it, uh, December oh my god you're coming up oh my god yeah I'm, I'm a cap but I'm a cusp I was born at four in the morning on the cutoff so a lot Ooh. of people tell me I have sad energy so okay. uh, I say I'm a Sagicorn, but technically I'm a Capricorn. <laughs> Somebody, I mean, you know, you definitely know I your signs. So. <laughs> Barely though, that's all I know. Is it inappropriate after asking about star signs to ask how you identify? Are uh, you? Do you identify as a queer guy? Uh, yeah, yeah. Do you feel I, comfortable saying that? I mean, you don't have to. You no, can I also do. be honest. Like you, you know. No, yeah, I hundred percent do. Um, we allow straight people in this room. Do you? I mean, it's I don't know. No it's, way. It's, been hard so far i don't believe you i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> no but um i uh i um it's funny when i when i did come out every fucking person was like what are you tell us now yeah but you don't need to say anything that's what i'm saying so then yes you could say i'm queer yeah um, because that's the most broad definition right. to being under the lgbtq plus yes. umbrella yes exactly but yeah it's just funny people need to know it's like bro what we're in 2021 like it, it is not we are not in boxes anymore that's just not how it goes 100 percent you're not in boxes anymore. No, we are not. Amen. I do believe that we are on a path to a gender blind, race blind, sexuality mm. blind society where labels like mm. don't f matter at all. Mm. And the label is human. You bet. Wow. Oh, Zach's think about saying that. Everybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I thought of something the other day at the beach that just came up and I just, my little conscious was like, say this. Um, I think with a lot of the stuff, with even the taboo stuff that we're talking about, you know, we're all kind of part of the problem, right? With with sort, of, maybe not we're all part of the problem in terms of we're not continuing to make it a problem, but um, we all are in a way a part of the problem, and therefore we're all part of the solution. And I think once people realize that, then we can we can all sort of come together and like help in the ways we can. I also something that was in the movie last night was when you help somebody, you help everybody, and I just. Love that. It's one of my favorite new quotes of all time is when you help somebody, you help everybody. And I think, you know, a lot of times people feel like, what impact am I having? You know, who am I helping in the world? How, how am I making a difference? Um, and I think it's like if you're able to hold space for one person to tell their truth and feel a little bit better, c congratulations, you've done it. Like you're, you're a great person and you've contributed in a way. And I think, you know, that's what's so exciting, like I said, about this community I'm building is like we're all coming together and we're like, okay, how can we make the world a better place? And what's shown what's been shown to me in the last week or so from my songs coming out is how quickly you can have an impact these days um, simply by following your heart and following your gut and doing what you know is right. And I think um, in seeing that, it's just shown me, oh, my God, like I'm sitting on so much potential of like how much m more I could do in the world. And I think the more we all realize that as human beings and the more we realize this is something that I cannot stress enough, that we are stronger together. We are stronger together. And once we realize that and we start helping each other, that's why I said to my fans, don't send hate. It's all love and respect. 
if people are saying the wrong things, love them in the right direction. Love them in in the direction that you want them to be in and therefore include them and invite them. And in doing so, show them the love that you want to be reflected back to you. And in doing that, you're more likely to see that. And then it's ripple effect. And, And then it goes on and on. And I think we just, we underestimate how important of a piece to the puzzle that we each are individually. We look at big groups and we think, okay, maybe, or we look at big influencers on social media and think, oh, they have a big impact, but what do I do? Every comment, every like, every every thought you think, everything you say, all the time you're contributing energy in some way. And I always say, every time you interact with somebody, uh, it's an energetic interaction, always, no matter what. And you can't do anything about that. Your energy is affecting their energy. Their energy is affecting your energy. Are they better off because they cross paths with you? If you can answer that question, yes, then you're on the right path, I think. Hmm. And you also need to ask yourself, am I better off because this person is in my path? And if you say no, then it might be wise to sort of create space between them. Because if you find yourself continuously feeling worse after hanging out with somebody or somebody's like a negative energy that- They're not it. Exactly. And so, so you have to ask yourself, again, am I better off because I'm with this person and are they better off because they're with me? Because they are being affected by you no matter what all the time. But these are revelations that you can only come to after having personal relationships in your life that really kind of f***ed you. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. But I'm, I'm actually grateful for these revelations despite all the, uh, the shit I had to go through to get here, but you know. <laughs> I mean, you have to be. Yeah. Because you still have a lot of life left. Absolutely. The most life yes. left. It's crazy. Wild. It's hard to think that anybody out there would ever, ever, ever bash you or send you any sort of negativity or want to hurt you in any possible way. It like really, it like it, it, it freaks me out to a certain degree. Like I don't get it. But. Yeah, I think I think you know, specifically in the last year, you know, I I become a scapegoat in a way, and and, and people don't see me when they see me; they see their pain. You know, they, yeah, they see the person who broke their heart. Exactly. And so that's the thing is that's how I keep some distance from it is those people don't know me at all. They, they, they aren't even really seeing me. The image of me is attached to the pain from the, their past. But the and reality so, is your heart's been the one that's been broken for fucking way longer than theirs. Well, I mean, yeah, but, you know, it's, it's to each their own. And most people, you know, Gosh. only see a sliver of things and they only get a glimpse and they only hear things and... A lot of times, you know, people don't actually know from the source. They're just hearing, oh, this person said this, said this, said this, so it must be true or whatever. And I think, you know, just remembering that is how I keep my peace and my inner balance is like, you know, they, they really don't know me. And so, so you know, uh, yeah, that's that's all you can sort of do. And, and also, like, it, it, you know, it'd be a real bummer if all this experience turned me into a really bitter person. You know, that'd be a, that'd be, that'd be a bummer. If anything, it's shown me how much more I need to be loving and patient, you know, it's like, so, so anyway, it's um, beautiful. Yeah. It's like really something special. Thanks. And people get to know you through the music you put out there. Hopefully there's more music on the way coming oh, in yes. the new year. Yes. But again, crisis secret set me free all in the link in the description below. But like, I also love lie, lie, lie. I feel love something you never mentioned. Have you heard feel something? Comment? Oh, I love feel something. Hold me like it's the very last time, at least for tonight. Pull my <laughs> hair and kiss my head and we'll get high. Yes. Have I heard feel something? <laughs> Who the f*** did you write that one about? Oh, man, you're asking all the fun questions today. That's right. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, uh, who's pulling whose hair? Listen, listen. This is, this is where we get back to the anonymity and art here. This yeah. is where we, we leave it to the imagination. That's uh. 
I know I'm not giving you the answer you want. I'm more like you know when I was listening to all the music and I've listened to it a bunch. I was trying to figure out more like timeline, and then I th- just think it kind of was too scattered for me to <laughs> really like understand where it all fell. Yeah. But where does the, like, I don't think anyone can understand, by the way, any of the timeline. Like nobody knows. No. Nobody actually knows. If I were to sit down here and lay out the reality of this whole situation, yeah. people would mind blown. It would be nothing like people think. But I, I mean, you can if you want. No, that's okay. Well, yeah, because you <laughs> you're a good person. <laughs> I'm trying to be. It's gonna pay off, dude. Um, but feel something is is that about? I mean, I don't know. Is that about? Feel it sounds <sighs> yeah, like somebody just <laughs> looking to feel something out of after being numb. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's that song is really like an anthemic collection of experiences. Like, yes, there's a narrative in it, mm-hmm. but it's also like it's it's multiple different experiences I've had over time with friends and with romantic partners. You know, it's like. It, it's not necessarily like, oh, this one moment in time. And, and so that's what makes that song so special to me is it's like, so. but what's funny is every story in that song is true, except for jumping off the Santa Monica Pier or skinny dipping. I did not do that. I would hope so. The Santa Monica Pier. But yes. Oh, so you skinny dip somewhere else. <laughs> listen, listen, I'm not endorsing that. I'm not recommending it. Please. Please. <laughs> I, I ain't skinny dipping. <laughs> Nobody is prepared for that. <laughs> Blindfolds required. Um, but, NDAs. Yeah, no, no, blindfolds, <laughs> bags over your face. It's like you, you think I'd be taking you to like some like remote location, right, right. like you're my hostage. Yeah. But no, I'm just gonna get naked in a pool. Um, but so you did. Who's pulling whose hair? Listen, Zach. Zach. Josh. Zach. I like to be reminded that I'm alive, so I get it. <laughs> Taboo Talk is gonna be the podcast. We don't know when it's gonna come out though, but please just follow this man on all the social medias that matter, so you can be in the loop on it all. And uh, God, there's so many other lyrics that you, you've put into these, these these songs that really stand out to me. But then you say, "We'll never let you hurt me. How you hurt me ever again." Mm-hmm. How do you ensure that? I think it's it's honestly more of a personal um, boundary, in, in a mental boundary. Uh, yes, you can physically create a boundary, but it's also just like, like I said, coming to understand that that somebody doesn't have your best interest in mind. With that knowledge, you then are able to say, you don't have full access to my heart. You don't have full access to my space and my being. So you can come at me. You can try again, but I'm, I'm not going to allow you past my force field. Like, it's just not going to happen. The way you, they would hurt me is if I sort of allowed them back into my force field and, and sort of let my guard down and whatnot. That puts you at a vulnerable position. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't allow people into your space, but the people who hurt you, who you know are going to continue to hurt you you know, for the foreseeable future, the way you ensure it is is a personal boundary and a mental guard saying, I'm just, I'm not allowing you in anymore. This isn't happening and, and my foot's down. And you want to forgive these people who have hurt you, but once you forgive, do you let them in again? Um, I think that's case by case. I think it depends on what they did, first of all, and also like who they are now. Because sometimes people will say like, I'm sorry and I'm working on myself. And that's great. But a lot of times people don't change overnight. And I think, you know, it's important to know that. And and the thing is, I've given people so many second chances and, and have, have you know, been like, I'm not going to allow this person back in and then been like caved and either been seduced back in or whatever it is and sort of just allowed them to do what they did. And then they do it again. And then after a certain point, you say like, okay, I, I can't do this anymore. Hopefully you don't have to go that many rounds with somebody before you realize your worth and you step away and say, this person doesn't have access to me anymore. 
But again, I think I think that's a case by case thing in terms of letting people in again. And I think the reality is like if somebody says they're sorry and then they do the same thing and they say they're sorry and then they do the same thing and then they keep saying it and they keep doing it, then you have to say, okay, you're clearly not sorry because you're not actually changing. And, you know, if in five years you have become a different person and you want to reconnect, let's let's do it. But until that's your reality, until you're living the thing you're saying you want to be, then then uh, not yet. I You know, I'm, I'm still so early on in my healing process that yeah. I don't know where I'm going to end up. That's it, tough. I can't thank you enough for your honesty. Mm. And your words and today have the power to help human beings in a way that's like you can't even measure it mm. you will not even be able to quantify the light that is going to be shed on so many people's dark mm. reality that they've just packed away into a box mm. and it's been collecting dust yeah yeah i mean that you know this year has forced me to face all that stuff so you know in a well, way, i do it alone right yeah well and i do have to thank you truly like uh, I said this in the hallway, but I'm I'm not really doing any on-camera interviews right now, like at all. And I think because I've been screwed over by so many different outlets and so many different people that I just have so much fear around, you know, trusting people because people will twist what I say and whatnot. So I just have to thank you truly for creating a space in which I feel safe. I mean, all of my friends who have been on the show are like, oh my God, Zach is the best. He's going to take care of you. Don't worry at all. So thank you for what you do and for giving people this space and, and being so like present and so so warm and and it it really makes all the difference in the world because i wouldn't open up if you weren't as open as you are so really i have to pay thanks to you i've had goosebumps for a majority of this conversation and i this will i mean this is i am a i am shaped by yes my experiences and yes my traumas but also i'm shaped by the conversations that i have with people in this very room mm. and i've had with people over the years and when people choose to share their genuine selves mm. And that genuine self is so really fucking beautiful and such a gift to the rest of society and to those that they touch. It is, re it, those are far and far, far and few between. Mm. Not everybody's like that. People open up their genuine selves often, but like very rarely is their genuine self like this, this beautiful, uh, this, this thing that is so what you could, you, you'd aspire to be. And uh, you are definitely in that category because your true self is rather selfless and also compassionate. And I've said empathetic a bunch of times, but uh, I, I really definitely, 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 definitely beyond appreciate you. But also I appreciate who you are as a person mm -hmm. and what you give to this world and the light you shine. Because again, like I'll say it again, the light that is emanating from you today through the words you're sharing will shine a light on people's dark presence mm. and uh help them cope and help them figure it out and uh, i don't know uh, help them see the light or at least see a brighter future because mm. you dude are really remarkable in your music you're one of my favorite artists so i've been trying to get wow. you on this show for like a year and a half like ask your publicist <laughs> i've sent more emails about you really like before like mm. i did before anything mm. like i genuinely give a fuck about your music i give a fuck about who you are and i can't thank you enough for being here and really 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 just being yourself mm. and uh i have the most respect and admiration for it and god dude like you, what is success to you like as you look 
forward and you look at a brand new year and you close out this chapter, mm. like, do you care about success? Do you have a definition for it? Hmm. Like, well, what does it look like? First of all, thank you for your kind words. That was like the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. So thank you. Yeah, it's um, true. Well, I do want to say something about the empathy thing that, and just the overall compassion thing. I haven't always been the most empathetic or compassionate. I think that's something to note is that it's, it's really been something I've been working on truly. And, and, and I've hurt people and I, I've, I've done my fair share of, uh, damage in the world as well as, as trying to, you know, spread light. So I, I just think that's important to acknowledge that like, it's an active work on myself and it's, it's not like, you know, I just, I feel like I'd be doing a disservice to just be like, yeah, well, you know, all this, yeah. it's just, it's something I have to actively work on all the time. It's so. not organically there. You have right. to, but nor is it a muscle. Like it is there in somewhat, you have to access it and remember to lean on it. Right. No, a hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. Um, but to answer your question about success, um, to me, numbers are not a thing in my life. Like you ask anybody, like I, oh, this is something I have never said publicly. I don't know how much money I'm making on High School Musical. I, I refuse to know. I refuse to know how much money I have in the bank. I refuse to know. I don't need to know. I, I, numbers to me are irrelevant. It's, uh, it's energy, not numbers. I don't need to know. The, know I that. love that. Um, Let's pay the bills with energy. <laughs> Let's think about them and they'll okay. get paid. I realize that that is a very privileged thing to say. But I will say this. I, um, about a month before I booked High School Musical, woke up to a notification from Chase Bank that I had negative $2 in my bank account. Negative 2 and it didn't phase me for a moment. I went, I have to pay rent in a week, and I have no idea how it's going to happen, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to work itself out. I'm not kidding. Six days later, I got a residual check from a commercial that was exactly, if not just like $100 more than what my rent was. <laughs> I pay my rent, and then a week later, I, I, I was about to actually quit acting, which is so dramatic, but a week later, I booked High School Musical, and it was like, boom. You know, so anyway, yes, I understand that like, yes, I'm privileged to be able to say I don't look at the numbers because I, obviously people have a very practical... But at the same time, um, you know, that's just the, my mentality is like the money will figure itself out. Totally. And I'm telling you, it does every single time to me. Like if I put out a song and it doesn't like do the numbers, it doesn't as numbers as, as I want or as what people are hoping for. To me, it's like that is irrelevant compared to like who it's impacting and, and how. And to me, if I put out a song and five people are moved from it, then that's success to me. Mm. That is success. If I put out a song and I'm moved by it, it's success. If I wake up today and I remember to be nicer to myself, success. Like to me, success is any improvement. It's any, any step in the right direction. Any step that's better than where you've been is success. And so to me, there's no quantifiable. And by, by the way, when you do that, you don't, you don't one, feel like you're never going to reach your success. And then two, you don't ever settle when you are feeling successful because it's always a step forward. It's always, how can I be a little bit better? Whether that's again, more patient, um, more kind, you know, whatever it might be. That, that to me is success. Um, so, yeah. I love that. And by the way, it's true. It's, wow. It's moving forward in a better way than you were before. Exactly. Jo Joshua Bassett, I have, again, I said it, I'll say it again, the most respect and appreciation for you. Um, your honesty is commendable and really deeply, genuinely appreciated. Thank you, sir. Thank you for being here and thanks for hanging out. I'm glad that you're going to have a podcast. Thank you. I look forward to listening to it. Crisis Secrets sent me free. Listen, there's a link in the description below. <laughs> this Josh is a dream come true, by the way. Why? I don't know how I wasn't aware that you were trying to get me on for a year and a half, but <laughs> coming on the show is seriously a dream come true. I watched so many of your interviews, so thank you. This is truly an honor. Thank you. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I'm not kidding. What? What?
I'm serious. This uh, is not me blowing smoke. Well, I'm dead ass. Uh, I'm, I'm sure we let you down. No, this is everything I wanted and more. It was great. Well, truly. God, you are loved and you are welcome here at any second in time, 24-7. You really genuinely are one of my favorite artists. And now I can say you're one of my favorite people on earth and you're helping make uh, society better. So thank you for being here. And Thank you. Yeah. Your gift, Joshua Bassett, everybody. Shucks. Hey, beautiful human. Thank you so much for listening to our conversation with Joshua Bassett. I really appreciate it. If you want to watch it, it's on our YouTube channel. Just search Zach Sang Show. And please let us know who we should have on the show next. At Zach Sang Show on any form of social media. And yeah, share our podcast with those you care about. Please be safe. Hug your family if you can. Don't go to jail. And keep listening to music. Because I'm telling you, it helps make the world go round. Peace and love.